Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes, and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times radio show, Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. Really busy show today. We did Disunited Kingdom, where we speak to political journalists from the four corners of the UK. We also went to America, Henry Zeffman giving us his bluffer's guide to the US elections. But it's Wednesday, which means it's PMQs. Tim Shipman wasn't here, so I was joined by Patrick McGuire for PMQs Unpacked, where we pause the action to explain what's going on. It was the day for the standings. Keir Starmer was absent, having only just got the all clear on coronavirus just before PMQs started. So it was Angela Rayner filling in going up against Boris Johnson. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and... Patrick Maguire, because uh, uh, Tim Shipman's not here. Uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us again. My pleasure. It's, it should be quite good, this one, shouldn't it? Uh, Boris Johnson against Angela Rayner. It should. Um, as Tom was saying before the hour, uh, Angela Rayner, uh, forensic isn't often a... Uh, forensic isn't her style. You know, in her very first... Um, a print of the dispatch box in 2016 she was already socking it to the Tories despite having been in Parliament a year and her uh, she's only grown in confidence since then um, you know the the John Prescott comparison is an apposite one she is um, you know very fiery and everybody is, is, is expecting her to stick it to him yeah, that's what everyone. That is the expectation uh, that she'll um, she'll give him a run for his money. So there's quite a lot riding on here. We obviously saw also Ed Miliband uh, had a good outing earlier in the week. Uh, Boris Johnson volunteering to defend the government's Brexit plans and then got duffed up by Ed Miliband. Here we go. Then this is Angela Rayner in the House of Commons. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And many people in the chamber today, Mr. Speaker, will think the Battle of Britain is today. But actually, we marked the 80th anniversary of those veterans yesterday. And I want to put on record our thanks to all those who fought for our country in the past. Mr Speaker wants to start by reading the Prime Minister a message that I've received from a man called Keir. (laughs) Keir wasn't able to go to work today and his children couldn't go to school because his family had to wait for their coronavirus test results despite the Prime Minister promise of results within 24 hours. Yeah. Keir 
was able to do the right thing and self-isolate and work from home. But other people aren't in this position, Mr Speaker. Many of them are the very people who are getting us through this crisis, like the care workers that I used to work alongside before I was elected to this House. The Prime Minister once earned £2,300 an hour. So can the Prime Minister tell us what is the average hourly rate of a care worker in this country? Well, there's quite a lot in there. Um, starting she didn't Battle of Britain's not a bad, not a bad uh, kick-off uh, joke. Uh, obviously marking the anniversary, but referring to the, the clash coming up between them. Uh, then basically taking the mick out of Jeremy Corbyn's old, I've had an email from Maureen, but this time from Keir, uh, who can't be there. Um, getting in the fact that she used to be a care worker, that was how she uh, started out um, uh, in the world of work and then joined the union and rose to the unions before becoming a Labour MP. Then getting a dig in about how much Boris Johnson earns, and then and then really hammering him with a very specific question about how much care workers earn. I mean, that was uh, very well crafted. I mean, you know, to start with invoking Keir, yes, it's a, a throwback to Jeremy Corbyn's old style, but it also reflects that you know after every standing at PMQs, we saw this with Ed Miliband earlier in the week. It's a constant, oh, they're much better than boring old Keir Starmer. That sort of reinforces, as all of their internal communications do, every time they write stuff, it's from Keir and Angela that they're a team. Um, which, you know, undercuts Boris Johnson saying, oh, the Honourable Lady is so much better than my usual uh, companion. The care worker thing, you know, his favourite, come back to Keir Starmer, is you're a posho lawyer. Um, and, you know, the, test, the testing thing, straight off, he, I'm, he surely has no reply. Well, let's see if he knows how much a care worker earns. Uh, well, Mr. Mr Speaker, I uh, congratulate uh, the uh, good Honourable the Honourable Lady on... on, uh, on uh, her, her elevation, and, and just and just to say that um, she she speaks of uh, the uh, constituent uh, Keir, and I can I can tell her uh, allegedly, uh, uh, apparently, Mr. Speaker, uh, he he has had a negative test. I don't know quite why uh, he is not here, uh, but uh, but eighty nine percent of those who have tests get them uh, within uh, in person tests get them uh, the next day. And uh, we are working very fast to turn around the, uh, all the test uh, requests that we get. And I think most people looking at the record of this, uh, the record of this country in delivering uh, tests across the nation uh, will see that it actually compares extremely well uh, with any other European country. We've conducted more tests than any other European country. And that is why... That is why we are able uh, to deliver tests, uh, as I say, uh, and deliver results uh, in 80% of the cases where we know, uh, where we know the, the contacts. And, and she, she says that, uh, she asks about care homes, Mr Speaker. I can tell the House uh, today we are launching the uh, Winter Care Home Action Plan and we will do everything. She's right to, to raise the, the issue of care homes. We are concerned about infection rates in care homes. But we will do everything we can to ensure that care homes and their workers are protected. And on her final point, Mr Speaker, I am proud that it is this government that has instituted the national living wage uh, to ensure that every worker, every worker in this country, including care home workers, is paid substantially more thanks to the, the care and the work of the people of this country. Um. <laughs> some, some poor person from Hansard is going to have to try and punctuate that. <laughs> 
So, I mean, the first 10, 15 seconds sounded like a, a sort of Boris Johnson impersonator well, warming up. Well, the, the problem is, if I was producing Dead Ringers and somebody turned in that, I'd say, go back, it's too, it's too, it's too on the nose. <laughs> um, I, God, I mean, Tory MPs are very worried about Boris Johnson's performance at PMQs, and I'm sure that, as the very first reply to an unfamiliar questioner, is not going to have reassured them. He didn't even seem to know whether or not, and you, listeners will worry, but maybe this doesn't matter, but the difference between honourable member and right honourable member mm. is whether or not you're a member of the Privy Council. I'm not sure Angela Rayner is. I so don't she's think she honourable, is. honourable member or honourable lady. He just got into a pickle. I mean, uh, let's see um, if... I mean, he also didn't know the answer to her actual question about care home uh, workers. Uh, let's see if she can roll foot him a second time. Oh, it's finished. OK. <laughs> the whole country, Mr Speaker, would have seen that the Prime Minister doesn't know how much a care worker earns, because that was my question. The shameful fact is that the average wage in social care is barely more than £8 an hour, and half of our social care workers earn less than the real living wage. Yeah, exactly. On his first day in office, the Prime Minister said, we will fix the crisis in social care once and for all with a clear plan that we have prepared. Yet still, there's no sign of the plan. And the additional funding to, provide, to prevent infection is going to run out, Mr Speaker, at the end of this month. So, will the Prime Minister commit today? to give our social care sector the funding that it needs now to get through this looming winter crisis. Mr Speaker, she's, I mean, she's asking an important point, and we are concerned about the uh, rates of infection in, uh, in care homes. Clearly, they've come down massively uh, since we instituted the £600 million uh, care home action plan. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we will be announcing a further, uh, a further, as I say, a winter care home action plan and, and, and she won't be, it won't surprise her to know that we want to see a toughening up of the, uh, the rules governing the movement of workers from one care home to another. We want to make sure uh, that we protect care homes from uh, further infections and that is the right thing to do. And I, I pay tribute to all the care home workers uh, in this country for what they've done to help us bring down the disease. And we will make sure, Mr Speaker, and as, as we have done over the last few months, that they get the, the PPE that they need, that they get the uh, guidance that they need, and they get the cash that they need. And uh, that's what this government is committed to doing. Yeah. PMQ's on Pat with Matt Shorty, joining the studio by Patrick Maguire. It's interesting that um, Angela Wayne seems to be going on social care. It's obviously close to her heart because she was a care worker and not hammering away on testing. Well, um, that, that, is a, that is a very good question. I suspect... Uh, you know, Angela Rayner has picked these questions herself. But it's also, if you, if you listen to the way she phrased that question, it's sort of, you know, the framing is still very Keir Starmer in that uh, she's saying, you've set yourself this test. Why haven't you met it? It is a, it is a massive bugbear of mine when he announced we have, a player, uh, we have a social care plan that we have prepared, he said in so July last year. Where is it? Yeah, uh, uh, more than a year later, uh, where is it? Let, maybe he's got... Um, uh, and he also talked about... Um, I thought in his first one, he said the winter care plan was being announced today and then he said oh, it's going to be tomorrow. Uh, I think he might have let a small cat out of the bag there. Let's go back to uh, hear from Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. Well, Mr Speaker, I do welcome the Prime Minister's comments, but I must say to the Prime Minister, get some skates on it. Those care workers are still not getting the PP they need. They're still not getting the testing they need. So I urge the Prime Minister to get on top of this problem now before the winter crisis hits. The Prime Minister has put his faith in Operation Moonshot. But meanwhile, on planet Earth, 
There was no NHS tests available for several high infection areas, including Tameside and Oldham, in my own constituencies. In July, the government promised that there would be weekly tests in care homes, and they promised this for September. So can the Prime Minister confirm yes or no? Do all care homes in this country have weekly tests? If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times Radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewellers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Interesting, she's managing to combine the two topics there. So it's quite clever. You know, there is a bit more of a thread mm. running through these than we normally see at PMQs. Let's see how Boris Johnson responds. my knowledge, care homes in this country, uh, care homes in this country should get uh, weekly tests for all staff members and uh, tests every 28 days for, uh, for those uh, who are in the care homes, the residents in the care homes. And Mr Speaker, uh, of course, uh, she's right to express the frustration of people across this country about... The, uh, the massive demand there is now for, for tests, and it has hugely increased. I think everybody can see just in the last few days uh, a colossal spike in the number of people who want tests and who want to ascertain whether they've got uh, coronavirus. And what we're, what we're trying to do now is meet that demand at record speed. And uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we've increased the uh, capacity of our testing systems uh, by 10%. We've got four new labs uh, that we are building in Newport, in Newcastle, uh, in Charnwood, and in, uh, in Brant's Bridge. And we want to get up, just so she knows the scale of the ambition, we want to get up to 500,000 tests uh, per uh, day by the end of October. Now, as I say, that is a huge, huge number. And I really do pay tribute to all those who are delivering it. And I, I know that the uh, the, the opposition benches like to make these international comparisons. I would just, just, just repeat, Mr Speaker, that we are testing more than any other European country. No? Yeah, so we're not allowed to do international comparisons unless they're ones where we fare well. I mean, I think if you were being cynical, you'd point out that's because a lot of these European countries did a lot more testing early on and got their, their number of cases right down. Yes, and I think having listened to that answer, we know what Keir Starmer is going to ask about in the first week of October, which is, why aren't you doing 500,000 tests a day? Um, yeah, it's because um, Boris, Johnson, Boris Johnson there has tried to preempt uh, the next line of questioning for Angela Rayner 
and something tells me that I, it's probably not going to have the desired effect. It, she does have a, a more of a flair for a, a soundbite. Get your skates on it, you know, you talk about Moonshot, but meanwhile back on planet Earth. Or maybe maybe the, the, these are jokes that um, Kiss Tommy would attempt but can't deliver them in quite the same way. But it's interesting. And, and if you, Something else that's changed, this PMQs, you're not getting the ad hominem in reply from Boris Johnson. And that is probably because... and. Labour were briefly very worried about Angela Rayner's constituency during uh, the, the election when the postal votes came in. He, she is basically his voter. Were she not a Labour politician, she would be, you know, demographically prime a prime target for the Tories. So Boris Johnson can't be seen to be knocking precisely the sort of woman who would be voting for him were she not a Labour politician. Well, let's go back and see if she's uh, warmed to him anymore. Mr Speaker, I heard what the Prime Minister had to say, but I have to say to him yesterday, the Chief Executive of Care England said... We were promised weekly testing for staff. That has not been delivered. Time and time again, he makes promises and then breaks those promises. In June, he told this House, I can undertake now to get all tests turned around in 24 hours by the end of June. They've had six months, Mr Speaker, to get this right. And yet the Prime Minister still can't deliver on his promises. The Health Secretary said yesterday... It would take weeks to sort the situation out. Well, Mr Speaker, we don't have weeks. But the government's latest figures show that there were an average of 62,000 people tested per day, not 500,000. The Prime Minister has said that testing capacity is at 300,000, but the average is 62,000 a day. How does the Prime Minister explain this? A lot of numbers there. This Mr. is Boris Johnson. Uh, we have delivered on, uh, as I say, uh, the most thoroughgoing testing regime anywhere in, in, in Europe. And uh, we now have capacity. I think capacity has gone up from 200... Uh, the, sorry, the number of tests per day conducted, not capacity, has gone up from 210,000 uh, last week to 240,000 this week. And uh, just, to, just to repeat the statistics, uh, we are, we are now, uh, per 1,000 people, Mr. Speaker, this country is testing uh, 2.54, Germany 1.88, uh, Spain 1.91, and France 1.89. In other words, uh, we are delivering exactly what we said we would do. What is happening, Mr. Speaker, is that, is that the, British, the British people, quite understandably, are responding uh, to that system with a huge, huge surge in demand. And so it's very important that everybody follows the guidance about when uh, they should be getting a test. The guidance sent out uh, by Public Health England, which has been sent to, to schools and, uh, and, uh, and uh, from the NHS Test and Trace. Angela Ray. Well, that was a sort of number soup of uh, 100,000, 200... At one point, Boris Johnson had his eyes closed then as he was trying to sort of remember the last time he looked at the numbers. He was talking about 200,000 a week. I think he probably meant a day. And I thought we weren't allowed to make international comparisons. I'm not, and then when we got to 1.89 in France, I'm not quite sure that anyone was much the wiser on, on that front. Um, and, but she's clear... Angela Rayner, interestingly, still taking, as you were saying, the sort of Keir Starmer approach. He makes promises and then breaks those promises, yep. holding them, to, not setting extra standards. And, you know, that's the criticism of the Labour Party, not actually suggesting anything. But what they are doing is saying, look, you said you were going to do this and you haven't done it. But it's, uh, Yes, exactly. But it's certainly punchier than Keir Starmer. I suppose one common critique of Keir Starmer is that it's sort of a, an energy vacuum. Um, and I think Angela Rayner is proving that you can be forensic without necessarily um, being dour. 
Well, let's see. Uh, what's up to now? This is going to be question uh, number five from Ga- Angela well, Rayner. Mr Speaker, once again, I see that the Prime Minister says it's somebody else's fault. It's the public that are using up the tests. These were the government's own figures and own targets, Mr Speaker, that they failed on. And the next time a man with Covid symptoms drives from London to Durham, it'll probably be for the nearest Covid test. <laughs> now, Mr Speaker... That's a good joke. That's a good joke. I want to start to move on to another very serious issue. Alongside the tragic stories we've heard of relatives dying alone in care homes and people not being able to say goodbye to their loved ones, we've also heard from mothers who have had to give birth without the support of their partners or their family. The Health Secretary yesterday said that the new guidance had been issued. But even under that new guidance, many birth partners will not be allowed to join at that moment of establish, until that moment of established labour, leaving women enduring difficult labours or, even worse, traumatic and devastating miscarriages alone without support. Will the Prime Minister agree to meet with me and my honourable friends and work with us to ensure that no woman is forced to give birth without the support that they need? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, she's absolutely right to raise the issue that she she does, and I know members across the House will uh, share her feelings entirely. Uh, I totally agree that birth partners uh, should be able to attend the birth. That's why uh, we changed the the guidance in the way that we we did. Uh, But, of course, I'm uh, very happy to encourage uh, cooperation between her and uh, my right honourable friends uh, in the Health Department uh, to to take the matter forward. But I perfectly understand the point that... Uh, that she makes, and she's entirely right. Angela Ray. A slightly awkward uh, gear shift from a a pretty good gag about driving from London to Durham for a Covid test and then going into the awful stories about people dying alone. Interestingly, she's raising this this issue we talked about on the show earlier this week. Uh, It's Tory MP Alicia Kearns who's the one who's pushing this, this... issue of hospitals not following the guidance. Yeah, exactly. And what do we know about the 29 intake of uh, Conservative MPs? Alicia Kearns is one, one of the, you might call her a rising star, or you might call her a self-publicist, depending on which Tory MP you speak to. But how do oppositions succeed? They exploit divisions within the governing party. We know the 29 intake isn't as pliant or obedient as a new intake would usually be. They're deeply uh, uneasy and annoyed Downing Street's handling of them. What better way, even if it sounds a bit random and abrupt for Angela Rayner to raise it, than to say, here's a great issue a Tory backbencher has raised. We're the only party that's going to speak up. We're going to speak in a much clearer voice for it than your own Prime Minister. OK, so this is the final question from Angela Rayner now. Let's see if she can do the thing which Keir Starmer struggles with, which is all tie it all together into a nice, neat soundbite for tonight's news. I welcome the Prime Minister's comments, and I think that was a yes, Mr Speaker. But I will follow it up. But thank you for those comments. Mr Speaker... Infections are rising. The testing system is collapsing. When you are the Prime Minister, you can't keep trying to blame other people for your own incompetence. We have the highest death toll in Europe and we're on course for one of the worst recessions in the developed world. This winter, we are staring down the barrel of a second wave with no plan for the looming crisis. People can't say goodbye to their loved ones. Grandparents can't see their grandchildren. And frontline staff can't get the tests that they need. And what was the top priority for the COVID war cabinet this weekend? Restoring grouse shooting. 
I suppose, Mr Speaker, it's good news for people like the Prime Minister's friend who paid for a luxury Christmas getaway to a Caribbean island and funded his leadership campaign and just so happens to own two Grousemore estates. So, Prime Minister, is this really your top priority? Mr Speaker, while while the uh, Labour opposition uh, has been consistently carping from the the sidelines throughout this crisis and raising, uh, frankly, uh, I think issues that are tangential, uh, uh, if not scare stories, uh, about uh, what is going on, we are getting on with uh, delivering for the British public. We're not only ramping up massively ramping up. And she, Mr. Speaker, she, uh, she hasn't contested any of my statistics today about the extent to which uh, this country is now testing more than any uh, other European country. She hasn't disputed the massive acceleration in our programme. We are getting on. Uh, I'll answer the substance of her question. Uh, thank you very much. We're getting on with delivering on the priorities of the British people, getting us through this COVID crisis, delivering on making our country safer, by the way, uh, bringing forward measures to stop the early release of dangerous sexual and violent offenders, which I hope that uh, she will support, uh, strengthening our union, Mr Speaker, which in principle, uh, which in principle the front bench opposite uh, should support, building more homes across this country, more affordable homes across this country, which, which, which she should support, in addition to, more, in addition to recruiting uh, more doctors, more nurses and building uh, more hospitals. Mr Speaker, I don't think anybody is in any doubt that this government is facing some of the most difficult dilemmas that any modern government has had to face. But every day we are helping to solve them thanks to the massive common sense of the British people who are getting on, who are getting on with delivering, delivering our programme, getting on with delivering our fight against coronavirus and it's with the common sense it's with the common sense of the british people that we will we will succeed build back better and stronger than ever before there we are. That's uh, Boris Johnson ending his response to Angela Rayner with a, a series of sort of um, random uh, election slogans. Build back better, uh, world beating uh, and all of that. Accusing uh, the Labour uh, Labour's deputy leader of carping. I wasn't sure. Was that an attempt at a joke to do with sort of grouse shooting and country sport? I wasn't I... It's sort of like almost there or it might have just been accidental. Um, what do you think the final score in that was then? I mean, the performance was better. It was a bit more lively, but I'm not sure she got anywhere more than normal. I think if only because it was a slightly more engaging spectacle. Um, and she... What, the, the common critique of Keir Starmer at PMQs is that it's a little bit low energy, it's a little bit sort of... You know, it's not about landing blows. It's a, Angela Rayner did that. And I, here I would dissent from, you know, Tom uh, Newton-Dunn just before the hour was talking about Angela Rayner as a class warrior. What I think was quite clever about that last question is that it had, a, had the appearance of a classic sort of Labour, you know, them and us question. Well, actually, it was tied into that very Starmer-esque critique of competence. It was like, you can't, you know, we've heard over the past five questions, you can't get a functioning uh, testing regime, et cetera, et cetera. Yet here you are allowing people to go grouse shooting. So I think she showed that you can um, go for the jugular a little bit more without necessarily uh, doing opposition for opposition's sake, as Keir Starmer would see it. You can still land punches without necessarily sacrificing the underlying principles of how Keir Starmer feels you should do opposition. Keir Starmer has just tweeted, fantastic PMQs from my friend Angela Rayner. 
So there we are. He's giving it the thumbs up from home. Uh, right, let's go back to the House of Commons and hear from the SNP leader, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, in his previous life as a Daily Telegraph journalist, this Prime Minister wrote, and I quote, Devolution is causing all the strains that its opponents predicted, and in allowing the Scots to make their own laws while free-riding on English taxpayers, it is simply unjust. So let me ask the Prime Minister two specific questions that need two specific answers. Firstly, does he still think that devolution in Scotland is unjust? And secondly, where does he believe full spending and decision-making powers over our NHS, education, infrastructure, economic development, culture and sport should be held? With Scotland's Parliament or with Westminster? Uh, obviously, Mr Speaker, there is a uh, very considerable and there has been a massive devolution of powers to, uh, to Scotland uh, and uh, the Scottish people have the opportunity to, to vote for more uh, in 2014, as he will recall, in a once-in-a-generation uh, event, uh, and uh, they chose decisively to reject that, uh, I, I recall, uh, and I think that he said it was a once-in-generation event uh, uh, as well. Uh, they now have the opportunity, Mr Speaker, uh, to vote to support the further devolution of powers in the UK Internal Market Bill, uh, and, I hope that to, and I hope that he will join us in the lobbies uh, in support of that bill. I suspect Ian Blackford's not going to do that. Let's hear what he's got to say in his second question. What nonsense. I never once talked about a once-in-a-generation, and the Prime Minister should withdraw that. As usual, as usual, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister is all over the place. He doesn't remember what he's written. He doesn't understand his own Brexit deal, and he doesn't even know what's in the internal market bill. I'll tell him. Clause 46 of this bill allows this Tory government to bypass Scotland's Parliament and take decisions on the NHS, on education, on infrastructure, on economic development, culture and sport, Mr Speaker, a blatant paragraph. We all know that the, what the Tory backbenchers are saying behind closed doors. The Prime Minister's incompetent. He can't govern and they want him away before the next election. Mr Speaker, Scotland's legacy will be in being a fair, decent, law-abiding independent nation-state. Will the Prime Minister's legacy be leading the UK to break international law and break this failing union? Here, here. Minister. Um, well, Mr Speaker, I'm uh, not quite clear from that question whether he's in favour of the union or not. I take it from his hostility to me, Mr Speaker, uh, that he wants to support the the union, so do I. And, uh, and, 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 the, and the, best, the best thing he can do, the best thing he can do, is to support the UK Internal Market Bill, which buttresses, as he knows, a surge of powers transferred uh, to the devolved administrations in more than 70 areas. And I, I should just remind him that, it, that just in the last, uh, in the recent uh, coronavirus crisis, uh, 5.4 billion has been transferred uh, to spent in Scotland as a result of Barnet. Uh, consequentials, and I'm proud to say uh, that 70% of the testing that has taken place in Scotland has been supported by the UK government. And, uh, and, 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 and I hope for that reason, if, if he's a convert to the Union, which I take it from his question, uh, then that is just one of the reasons he should back it. Yeah. Well, Logan. 
Oh, well, there we are. There's Boris Johnson there. Boris Johnson seemed to be enjoying himself far more winding up Ian Blackford than he did responding to Angela Rayner. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> you know, I, often, I well, I don't often say. I once said that if uh, I was ever asked on this, on, on this, my one record I would save would be a sort of ten-hour cut of MPs groaning as the speaker calls Ian Blackford. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was interesting. Basically, you can boil that exchange down to two things. One, Ian Blackford said Boris Johnson's a law-breaking Tory, um, which. We know, who we know is deeply unpopular in Scotland, and Boris Johnson replied with, well, hang on, all the money is ours. And in that, you see the germ of the constitutional debate for the foreseeable future. People, The Tories will, uh, the SNP will point to Boris Johnson and say, you don't much like him, do you? And then Boris Johnson and the rest of the, the cabinet will say, well, hang on, all the... You know, this is all the all the cash is coming from us, and that's an interesting clause in this internal market bill. It, give, it will give the UK government the right to fund things unilaterally above and uh, over the head of the devolution settlement. And there, you see the strategy for keeping the union together. It was also telling. I, I wasn't totally aware of this, but Boris Johnson uh, repeating the line that was definitely the case of Alex Salmon and Nicola Sturgeon back in the uh, referendum this time. Was it six years ago when mm. we had the Scottish referendum or once in a generation decision to set, finally settle the question of independence? Uh, Ian Blackford pointing out, I never said it was once in a generation. He, wants to ha- he basically wants to keep on having them until he wins. But something he did say, and I said this last week and I'll say it again, that Scotland, an independent Scotland will be a law-abiding nation. Well, what, did it, what will the SNP do after Boris Johnson says no to a referendum? One half will say, let's go for it, let's have a wildcat referendum, or some people even say let's unilaterally declare independence. And Ian Blackford and Nicola Sturgeon will be on the other side saying, well, hang on, you know, we're, uh, we're the good guys here. Big problem. Big problem ahead. Uh, always good to have you with us, Patrick Maguire, uh, filling in for Tim Shipman. We, we think Tim Shipman might be back next week. We also think Keir Starmer might be back next week. Keir Starmer congratulating Angela Rayner on uh, Twitter for her performance of PMQs, and someone called Simon's responded to Keir Starmer saying, hopefully she can give you some tips on how to land a punch on the Prime Minister. So it's all going uh, very well. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box 2. Make sure you subscribe and review at the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. <laughs>